0: The Triggered Project presents... What does that mean for me if I if I need help that way? And who am I going to ask? And who am I going to talk to? And where am I going to go?
1: You need to understand what's going on in your community. You need to understand what it's like to take the bus in your community. And what you don't have access to.
0: There's such a fear of actually trying to face the hardest thing that you've ever had to face because you're not sure what else is going to come with it.
1: Being triggered, it sort of never goes away.
0: Triggered is a buzzword and the kids have picked up on it. Yo, the way you talk to me right now, yo, you got me mad triggered. I need to talk to the nurse.
1: We're really not meant to have lasted as long as we have.
0: No, you were supposed to mess this up a long time ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can't see me, but like straight side eye right now.
0: This is living a triggered life. For more information on the Living a Triggered Life podcast, go to www.triggeredone.com.
2: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Museum of Science Boston and our very special live taping of the Living a Triggered Life podcast. I'm James Monroe. I'm the producer of adult programs and theater experiences here at the museum. And I'm really honored to kick off this incredible evening. I'm thrilled to be standing here in front of a live in-person audience here in Connors Cedar. Yes, give yourselves a hand. It's wonderful to have you back with us. We do not take it for granted. We're also live streaming tonight out to a virtual audience who are watching with us on YouTube. So a huge hello to our digital friends. Thank you for tuning in from afar. Um, Tonight is really special. We're thrilled to have back with us our friends from The Triggered Project. Uh, We did our first live uh, Living a Triggered Life podcast event in the fall. And tonight I'm thrilled to have our friends and the co-creators and co-hosts of the podcast back, Keith and Roxanne Maskell. Um, Over the past year, we've really been able to develop a strong and deep relationship with both of them, and it's one of the most important to our team here at the museum. So we thank them for allowing us to be a very, very, very small part of all the incredible work that they're doing across the country. We are also honored to have with us tonight, via virtual live stream another very special guest, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. Um, she is waiting in the wings to come out onto the quote-unquote virtual stage, um, and I'm going to let Keith and Roxanne formally introduce her, though she needs no introduction. Uh, but I just want to start tonight off with a huge thank you to the Congresswoman and her entire team for uh, giving us time tonight and being here and sharing. Uh, it's truly an honor to have you with us. And how this is going to work tonight, after the conversation with Keith and Roxanne and the Congresswoman, uh, we're going to say goodnight to Congresswoman Presley. Uh, and then there's going to be a Q&A with Keith and Roxanne where all of you can submit questions. So if you have a question for them at any time, all you have to do is pull out those smartphones, whether you're here with us in person or watching at home, and go to slido.com and enter the code TRIGGERED LIFE, all one word just as it appears on the screen uh, behind me. And uh, then after the formal program here, if you are with us on site, we invite you to a reception, one level down in the blue wing. The DJ will be spinning again, and Keith and Roxanne will be out there. They want to chat with you. So make sure you stick around uh, and continue the evening with us. I need to thank our friends from the Lowell Institute for their ongoing support of the adult programming. Uh, Without them, we would not be here tonight. So a huge thank you to everyone at the Lowell Institute. But now it is my extreme pleasure to welcome out your co hosts, my dear friends, Keith and Roxanne
1: Maskell. Welcome to
3: the Keith
1: and Roxanne, presented by The Triggered Project.
0: Find out more information about The Triggered Project, go to www.triggeredone.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Living a Triggered Life Podcast
1: with Keith Maskell, Roxanne Maskell, and we are live
0: right now um, at the Museum of Science in Boston, Massachusetts. We are so excited to be back for our second live. Uh, Shout out to uh, James Monroe um, for being able to put this all together and the technical team here. Um, You all really have taken uh, such good care of us and we so, so appreciate it. Um, But my rocks, this is exciting. Mm. This is exciting And you're looking wonderful tonight by the way I gotta tell you that
1: You're looking all Um, right yourself um,
0: Wow This is a good moment Rox
1: I know wait you're making me misty I'm starting to get emotional
0: Okay I don't need you to get emotional yet We have plenty of time for that I know
1: we haven't even started I'm already getting emotional That's
0: okay but we have a really special guest Mm. Very Mm. special Mm. guest tonight Um We are so honored to have um, and I say my Congresswoman, our Congresswoman, Ayanna Presley, in the House tonight. We want to welcome uh, you. How are you Congresswoman? It is so great to have you, it's so great to see you. Um, Yes, 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 yes. Oh my God, we, we are just, this is just such a blessing to have you, um, have you here. But um, what we usually do is we just do a quick check-in to, to, to start out. Um, so I usually say how I'm doing and then I'll ask Roxanne and then we'll check in with you really quickly. Um, then uh, we'll tell you why you know, we wanted to talk to you and then we'll jump right into the questions. How's that sound? Let's go. All right, beautiful. <laughs> um, so um, I'm doing okay today. Um, A little stressed, um, which happens when you, you know, you're trying to put together a podcast and things like that. Um, You know, my step step of repeat didn't come today. And so I was a little upset about that, but you know what? I went to my self-care. I said, you know what? This is such a blessing of what's happening. Keith, just let that go. Went out and shot some hoops. Felt pretty good about that. Did some meditation. um, Checked in with a friend who, who had just been injured a little bit and stuff, so I wanted to make sure that I was um, that I was giving some energy to him, um, and then just kind of settled in to uh, what was going to happen this evening, and um, really just turned around whatever direction that I was this morning. So um, I'm feeling blessed um, right now. So, Rox, what's up, Rox?
1: Hmm. I'm still uh, decompressing Mother's Day. My mama had to make it extra, but not special. I mean, that's what happens sometimes, right? It's the yeah. holidays that bring the worst out in us sometimes yeah. when we make an effort to uh, show up and show out and be there for them. And then, uh, yeah. you know, they just don't know how to manage those emotions. Yeah. So I was pretty sick for a couple of days and it was the stress yeah. on me and tired, trying to do too much. And then today I woke up and was like, it's a new day. I'm Ready ready and then I thought about what we were doing tonight and I was like I'm really ready (laughs) very ready because this is the best part of the things that I do all day yeah doing this work this is the real work connecting with people this is the work Giving space to people to talk about what they don't get to talk about, if they choose. Yeah. So I'm good.
0: Yeah. I'm thank good. you. Thank you. So, Congresswoman, how are you today? How you doing?
3: Yeah. Um, well, I actually um, yesterday was a very depleting day. Mm. Um, There was a vote taken in the the Senate um, uh, regarding bodily autonomy and reproductive freedom, and uh, that was actually a bill that I'm a co-lead for. So that was my legislation, and um, you know, I was just uh, feeling the weight of just a myriad of sort of intersectional legislative um, oppression. Yeah. And, you know, look, I seek to do the work of uh, liberation of black people and all marginalized people, but centering black women for a moment, given the history of medical apartheid on our bodies, forced sterilizations, hysterectomies, highest maternal morbidity in the country. Right. And... Um, now that we could be in a situation and circumstance of forced birth and um, it just seems that um, our bodies and uh, the bodies of black women in particular um, are just always being policed criminalized vilified you know uh, in some way and so i felt a real erasure Mm. yesterday and um, today you know I feel very sitting <laughs> and uh and very centered in large part because um, I had this to look forward to yeah. um, but also because um so many people today were seeking life into me and were uh offering me affirmation and restoration mm. and um you know, that they expressed gratitude for, for the fight that I put up, right. and um, so, so that felt good.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for that, and, and, you know, the reason why we wanted to talk to you, just because, like, you're always, you're always just authentic. I've watched you talk to so many people, um, and everybody's important. That's how, it, that's how it seems, like you're just so, you're so genuine, so it's important, and you know, after our live, I said to James, if we could talk to the Congresswoman, I wanna to talk to her, you know? Um, and for me, um, I always felt, when seeing you, um, just the positive energy, you don't have to say anything to anybody, but your positive energy gives life to people. You know what I'm saying?
1: and I felt like at certain points that's, that generous. That that's I, very generous. I'm just, I'm just a reflection of y'all. That's right. No, nah, I'm just. I mean, no, but I'm, you're a little bit more I'm than a reflection of us. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right? No, you. just like no, like we keep it. We keep it authentic. Yes. And you never know. Like just saying hi to somebody means a lot to people. You know what I'm saying? And so, just the fact of being somewhere, or, or being a new being, uh, and um, I love that mug, by the way. Um, oh. Love that mug, love that mug. Um, that,
3: and that's that on that. Yes, okay. yes, um, but um,
0: you know, uh, yeah, just the fact that, you know, that happens, and I see the effect of you just saying hi to someone. and. Um, you know so that's that's just important for me to to have you to have you here as a as a voice of the people and um so but rocks, you know, kick it.
1: Yeah, I wanted to say um, a little bit about why I wanted to speak to you, and um, I don't, I mean, you always say you remember, and I have this little voice inside of me that says, no, you don't, (laughs) all the time, but, you know, I have to, like, beat that voice down, but I met you at the Commonwealth Seminar, and this was, I don't know how many years ago, and every single time that I've seen you after that, you're like, no, I know who you are. And no matter how many times you say it, I'm like, no you don't, you don't know me. (laughs) And that's just the little voice inside of me. And I mean, you know, that's what happens to us. That's part of trauma, right? That we don't believe that people really see us. And that's why I was so excited about having you here with us. Um, Besides the podcast is so special to me in my life, um, there's something about your eyes that I really do believe that I'm seen in the world. And there's so many moments of my life where I feel invisible. Mm. And that's what trauma does, right? Cause the trauma experiences that I've had uh, because I didn't feel protected or I wasn't protected made me feel invisible. Right. All the time. That's right. And so when I see you and you're like, I know who you are, I'm like, really? Because I've felt so invisible throughout my whole life. And that's why I wanted to have you here in this special moment with us. Because uh, I'm always feeling seen. No matter how much I want to um, say no, your eyes always tell me, yes, I see you, sister. And I love that about you. To the fact that, I, didn't, I don't think I told you this, Keith. I really wanted to move in Cambridge so that we could be in her district.
0: <laughs> you no, know, you, did, you did talk to me about that. You did talk to me about that.
1: For sure, I really, I I really thought about it. No, 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 for sure, for sure. But I was,
3: yeah,
1: yeah. Go. First,
3: first of all, I received, you know, all of that. and, um, and, I, and I'll tell you why I remember you. Um, and I actually think the last time, I, I thought the last time that we were in each other's proximity was in Cambridge, but I could be wrong about that. But that, that was my, that's what I thought. But um, you know, my recollection of you has nothing to do with politics. Um, you're a rare person who, when you have asked how I am doing, um, I believed you were really asking me. And, um, I don't know if you all know that, you know, sort of in a perfunctory way, people will ask you that question all the time, right? Yeah. But you know, there's, there's some people just in the inflection with which they ask the question, yeah. you can feel yourself breaking yeah. because you know what is coming mm-hmm. from like a deeply authentic place and mm-hmm. all the sort of canned perfunctory responses you gave the whole day, mm-hmm. that it's not going to fly with this person. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So that is, <laughs> that's actually how I emotionally. Emotionally
2: remember you. Does <laughs> so. mm. mm. wow. that prove
3: that I know who you are? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And
1: every time. Somebody in that room better co Yeah. That- <laughs> Look. We really appreciate that.
0: Roxanne doesn't get that a lot, but Roxanne, let's get into these questions. Yes. Um, yes. i so, you know I'm follow, ready. Up,
1: follow up with that. Follow up with that, right. Tell us why you wanted to be here. Hmm. Yeah, I wanted
3: to be here because. um I'm really trying to challenge us, those of us um, who our whole identity has been defined by the resistance and being warriors and all of these things, to be um, as radical and bold about our joy and our healing Mm. as we are about the work of resistance. Mm. And I remember um, my in 2018, once I was elected to Congress, I had a ceremonial swearing in in community because I wanted to make the point that, like, you know, this is symbiotic. We, I'm governing cooperatively, and I'm not going to be the only one taking an oath. You're going to take an oath with me. Right. And I co authored this pledge. And one edit of this community pledge, which 400 people strong at Spring Community College took with me, was um, I, will inform, I will inform joy. Mm. Because joy is an act of resistance, and I've actually amended that now because I think that's part of the problem. Mm. Um, yep. You know, when folks say you can't pour from an empty cup, they're still saying res- res- uh, do the work of restoration so you can continue to, to labor. Mm. Right. And, and what and what I'm trying to get folks to 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 give ourselves permission to be unapologetically is just to be. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I mean, so I don't, you don't need to you Know when people even talk about self care, you know, you need to do self care so you can keep doing the work, right? You know, everything is about labor, utility, mm. it's not about being. All yeah. the messages that I got as a child from my mother was about the armor I needed to put on mm. to navigate, to negotiate, you know, to, to handle uh aggression, microaggressions, mm. hostilities, right. toxicity. It was all about armor. Mm. Nobody ever talked to me about joy, right? Nobody ever talked to me about healing. Mm. You know, and so the fact that um you created this space and the last thing I'll say about the two of you is that I do believe that black love is a revolutionary and radical act. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> And we we know that in that Martin and Coretta met in the Massachusetts 7th in Roxbury, and you know, many people define her um, as his wife, Mm. but she was a liberator in her own right. Um, She was an architect of this movement, and it would not have been birthed were it not for their radical black love. Mm. Yes. And so I, I just wanted to endorse. Um, what you two are doing and the space that you've created.
0: Yes. Um, Thank you so much uh, uh, for all that. And um, that's one thing that some people don't talk about with this podcast is, is, is about black love, right? And the importance of talking about not just the best part of it, but the other parts that need work. And that's one thing that was important to us, which started this podcast is me as a, as a survivor and how does it affect our relationship, right? How do we figure it out and being triggered? That's not something that our parents talk to us about either, right? How, how do we figure it out? And, um, you know, I've been lucky just to, to have this woman, you know, stand next to me um, and, you know, push me behind and pull me forward sometimes. And um, if we can help people, by telling our story, then that's exactly what we're going to do, and we will be unapologetic about it. So thank you for everything that you just said. Um, and um, but that leads into that leads into you know the second question is you know as a survivor, how has your trauma influenced and affected your work as um, a public official?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it influences everything about me and my worldview. And so um, in turn, how I movement build, how I community build, how mm-hmm. I legislate, um, you know, our film was talking about invisibility, I think that is the unique dichotomy of the marginalized existence, especially mm-hmm. for black folk, especially for black women, we have this dichotomy of being um, hyper visible and invisible all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right right mm-hmm. So we're visible enough to be criminalized Mm. and policed, but we're invisible enough um, to be uh, slowly dying, Mm. um, you know, given a host of things, you know, everything, again, from the maternal morbidity crisis or uh, the weight of student debt or, you know, they're not being space held for our healing or our justice. Uh, given the number of us who are survivors of abuse, right. you know, uh, I'm a survivor of a decade of um, of childhood sexual abuse, mm. and also a survivor of campus sexual assault. Mm. Uh, and so I certainly do center survivors justice in my policy work Mm. and that for me ranges from, you know, fighting for an investment in those social emotional wellness supports uh, to acknowledge, uh, what our children need. Childhood trauma is growing. Um, I I think, uh, it is, it is in the midst of its own, uh, pandemic. Mm. Yes. Where we know what they were carrying in their emotional backpacks um, as they crossed into learning communities pre-pandemic. Mm. And uh, it is frightening, the increase in anxiety and depression and suicide right. ideation. So I do a lot of work legislatively around childhood trauma. In fact, that can be the first ever congressional hearing mm. on childhood mm-hmm. trauma. Um, so uh, those social emotional investments uh, and supports within our, our learning communities, and also in our community health centers, and then again, shining a light on the issue, using my power of convening and right. things like a committee hearing. Um, also uh, for survivors of, of, of big events, I have uh, like natural disasters, domestic terrorism, things right. in that way. Right. And then finally, I'll just say surviving family members of homicide victims. Yes. Um, there's a lot of work that I do in that space. And we know that one in four black and brown people have, have lost a loved one to gun violence. Mm. And we know for every person that we're robbed of, I mean, they weren't lost. So you didn't say you lost someone. You know, we were robbed. Right. Of every mm. loved one mm. that we're robbed of, um, that that impacts a minimum of 10 people. Right. So we're talking about 120 to 130,000 new survivors, mm. surviving family members of homicide victims every year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we know that trauma manifests in many ways. Uh, there's primary trauma, there's secondary trauma. And um, so, what I'm, what I'm fighting for is just uh, investments, as I said at the Peace Walk on Mother's Day. Right. You know, community is possible if we build it, peace is possible if we work for it, and healing is possible if we invest in it. Yes. You know, So as, as a survivor, I'm centering survivors justice in all of my work, whether it's survivors of sexual assault right. or addressing childhood trauma or natural disasters or um, disruptive events or whether it's um, uh, surviving. Family members of homicide victims. But I'm also trying to prevent trauma. Right, of course. You know? so, of so, right, course. So, like I consider, when I say I'm a survivor, it's interesting now that I say that, and because I'm bald, people will think I'm a survivor of cancer, so I'm having to figure out new verbiage. So, right. People, but I, look, my father was incarcerated for 14 years. I think mm. I'm a survivor of mass incarceration. Yeah. My mother, not at the hands of my father, but my mother was a survivor of domestic violence, right. you know, of, of incest, right. and also of rape, right? Mm. So trauma is intergenerational, uh, right. so I, I define myself as a survivor right. in every way when it comes to trauma, both yeah. primary and secondary.
0: Yes, yes. No, thank you for that, and you know, thank you for sharing, and you know, I honor your piece of healing. And I honor the fact that you're a thriver, mm. um, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we talk about intergenerational trauma, but sometimes we don't talk about the intergenerational thrivers that we've become because of that trauma. And mm. you are a clear example of that. So, um, mm-hmm. no, thank you for that. That was that was awesome. Um, and so, she what started I like
1: to- about what you said just now, what uh-huh. you both said, is that it's not enough to remain in the place of surviving which is what you say all the time right Mm -hmm. it's about thriving yes right the trauma that black and brown people have endured over generations has taught us how to survive but we need to move into the thriving game yeah and that's what the two of you are talking about primarily
0: right.
1: is thriving. Yeah. And that is, that is part of that healing, and that's part of like um, what we know how to do, flip the script. Right can i say right. something about that for a moment yes. listen listen you don't, don't need to ask no, no, like I said, I want to
3: be respectful of the format and also yeah, our time right. but, but this is this is important policy is my love language mm. and the reason why policy is my love language is because every hurt and harm is one that has been legislated mm. it was codified Right. So I believe if we can legislate hurt and harm, then we can legislate healing, we yes. can legislate justice, we can legislate equity, Yes. but how do we do that effectively? Right. We have to stay in proximity to it. Mm. Because it's only by staying close to it that you understand how intersectional it is, how complex the nuance. And then what I always want to do is then work with those most impacted to develop the best solutions. The people closest to the pain should be closest to the power, driving and informing the policy making. The last thing that I would say on this, because you brought up a thriving. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I I was meeting with some folks, someone who had left politics, and I said, what is it like on the other side? And they said, I went from a life of obligation to a life of desire. Mm. And I said, well, that is a privilege, Mm. but one that everyone deserves. So when I think desire, I think imagination. And so as a policymaker, here's the shift that I was talking with some of my sisters in in the work in the birthing uh, uh, movement as we're doing maternal justice work. And they said, I'm not going to do one more panel to talk about the statistical odds of why black women are more likely to die in childbirth. Instead, I'm going to talk about imagine a world where black birthing people feel safe sacred and love. Do yeah. you see yeah. the switch there? Yes. But that's why I'm taking time for this because when we're doing this work we can perpetuate trauma because culturally we've been told that in order for you to be seen and centered you have to relive and weaponize yes. your trauma mm. yes right. and so you got into do this work as a liberator and to be a healer right and you're like why am i so heavy mm. because we're not giving ourselves permission yes. for the imagination for the desire, right. for the thriving part. So let's not sit in the deficit and the data, mm. let's sit in the dream.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And
3: that's how we have to organize and legislate.
0: Right, right, no, 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 mm-hmm. that's, that's it. Um, I'm surprised that people aren't clapping. Um,
1: I think they forgot.
0: I think they forgot. <laughs>
1: they got um, mesmerized no, by the words no, and no, no, the language. We're not, I'm not it, maybe I'm not making it play. So. No, 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 <laughs> I, I, I mean, no, no, no. No, 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 You're dropping that science. You know, I mean you know, we're at the museum of science, <laughs> just, my dude. You dropping I mean, it.
0: Right. People ask, oh like, why are you at this why why are you at the museum of science? Like, because okay. that's social science what we were just talking about. Yes. That was yes. social science at its best. And
1: we keep saying we're talking about the neurobiology, neuroscience. Science of the brain. Yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly, mm-hmm. and that's exactly that what we just had, mm-hmm. which was awesome. But um, you know, Rox, we're gonna go to we're gonna go to move to a different question because the congresswoman answered that one. So um, the next question we're gonna get into is um, you've often spoken about you know America's growing trauma crisis um, and how has the last two years um, contributed to that?
3: Yeah, I mean, again, you know, uh, uh, oppression, trauma—it's intersectional, um, and we've just been hit by an onslaught of it. You know, it's just—it's been unrelenting. Right. So, uh, just our collective loss and grief. Today, we hit the one million marker. I mean, it's crazy that this this loss of life mm-hmm. has been so normalized for us mm-hmm. that you can just see on a little ticker tape on the screen—you know, one million lives. Right. You know, yeah. and people just sort of keep moving, you know. But the, we have to keep moving, but we can't normalize that kind of loss and suffering. So we've lost parents and siblings and cousins and teachers and nurses and aunties and grandpapas. Right. So many of us have had to say goodbye to loved ones through a screen. You know, I, I survived an insurrection right. at my workplace. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have seen what happens with... Um, inaction and inertia, insurrection. Right. I'm upset that it, it took an insurrection, a, a violent white mob erecting nooses on the west lawn of the Capitol wearing anti-Semitic uh, T-shirts mm. and carrying Confederate flags for people, many to realize for the first time that white supremacy is a threat to everyone. Right. To everyone who calls this country home and to our democracy. Right. So mm-hmm. when they put scaffolding up all around the building and now we have to go through metal detectors to go on the floor and all these things. And people ask me, do you feel safe for us? And I'm a black woman in America. Right. I, I'm not I'm not concerned about uh, the safety of people exclusively at this building. Right. I don't want to feel safe in this country.
1: Right. Right. right.
3: So, I mean, so this is, you know, we have to, you know, root out and, you know, disrupt white supremacy. So it's, you know, it's the pandemic. It's an emboldened white supremacy. anti-black, Asian, immigrant (laughs) sentiment, Islamophobia, gun violence, police brutality, it's been a lot. So all of that has contributed to our trauma and that is why I'm, I'm championing the need for a trauma-informed recovery, right? And like I said, healing is possible if we invest in it. Yes. And all of my policies center survivors of every form of trauma and seek to advance policy that's trauma-informed. Right. We need to have a trauma-informed recovery.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that no, I think you hit it right on right on the head. And I think you know, Roxanne, you see this, um, you know, uh, where you work um, at Brandeis, and you know, I see uh, the. Effect also when I go into schools and I'm talking with you know with students and um, it takes so much for them just to just to show up Mm -hmm. just to walk through that door um, and then have to deal with the anxiety of being around people to learn how to actually be social again Um, and so many of them have stopped breathing so many of them have stopped breathing, and that's the first thing that I say to them as, as we do some monologue work is breathe. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth because we've been holding our breath for the last two years. Yeah. And it is such an important reminder for us, as you said in the beginning, was for us to just be. But the second part of that is for us to just breathe. Mm. take a moment and just be and breathe and really just take time to let that oxygen through our bodies because it's just been so much that we haven't done right Rox?
1: I I think we don't know how to do it anymore like we're not even cognizant when we're not breathing and I just wanna go back cause uh, a little bit. So I was just thinking about in deep thought here about um, throughout the pandemic, um, I worked a lot on the front lines. And I was thinking about what you were saying about maternal health um, and some of the other things you were saying. And I was thinking back to um, the pandemic really brought out um, my ability to say, uh, Oh, and sorry, I, I even do this in session, I swear, sorry. I apologize. Uh, but to bring out uh, whatever the hell I wanna say. And I, I, I come home and I tell Keith and I find myself at a maternity rounds and I, I started saying to doctors and nurses and midwives, please stop putting in consults for social workers when when there are primarily black and brown women. I'm tired. You're targeting them. And I want you to stop. And sometimes they will get up on me, up underneath me, because they are like forcing me to go talk to black and brown women. And I will say, she said no. And she has a right to self-determine. Leave her alone. And you know, like I started like reminiscing all these moments in time of these experiences, including yeah. at Brandeis, and talking about how my white colleagues are not showing up for my Black and Brown students and calling them out. If you're not going to show up for my students, don't see them. I will see all of them if I have to. And sometimes we need to be able to stand up and just stand up and speak. And if we're not breathing, we're not speaking. And sometimes we get so um, uh, distracted by everything that's going on, we forget. That sometimes we're not speaking because we forget how to breathe. Mm. And I've had these moments where I'm like, I don't care, what are y'all gonna do? Because no one else is gonna show up. I don't care. Right. I'm not being disrespectful, but you will respect the people that look like me.
0: Right. Well, thank you. No, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Rock it's, so, it's so funny because I feel like sometimes, you know, that uh you're the clinical play-by-play person of this podcast (laughs) kind of like a lead analyst for um for a sports show and like it's just so it's just so brilliant and i'm like how could tom brady get 23 million because you should get like double that for the work that you do on this podcast like um it's amazing but we only have a couple minutes left but um um i want to make sure to ask you know ask this question of you know do you have any advice for survivors who are navigating relationships and um and how they show up in the world.
3: Mm. You asked me the hardest question. <laughs> Uh, three minutes or whatever it is left. Okay.
0: Um, no, it was the last. It was the last. It was the last. It was the. But you,
1: okay.
3: um,
0: um, you know what? though, you? actually. But you know what?
1: Wait, she you said it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, just, I'm,
3: I'm I'm gonna do what a lot of a lot of uh, elected officials do is I'm gonna answer the question I want to. <laughs> no, that's not, to not the To way be honest
0: with you, look, <laughs> to be honest with you, that's what I expected yeah. you to do. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna answer
3: the question I want.
1: Okay. That'll,
3: that'll um, you know that. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this will speak to something. Keith, but I want to say what you did was so important there, and I'm sure you do this in your private life as well, and it's so generous that you all are willing to do this publicly. And that is as a partner to hold space for um black woman rage. Yeah. Yes. Um, because we are talked out of our pain all the time, right? right. If we can go to health, we can go to healthcare providers. They might think, yes. I think we're drug seeking. Right. Uh, we're in birth. They don't believe our pain is as bad as it is, right? right. Um, so we're always being talked out of our pain. But what I'm, I want to make it clear it's not just by white folks, because the the burden of white supremacy is black folks will do that to you too, right? But right. so we're always being talked out of our pain, right? And why I chose my husband, who I call my black diamond, Conan Harris, oh, right. um, is because, let me try not to get emotional here about it, he was the first person who was angry for me. Mm. <sighs> after, after decades yeah. of trauma. Yes being told to pray it away, Mm. or shame that was projected onto me because of fractures created in my family. Right. When I became the villain, and I was the one who was abused. Yes. But because of the fractures that created in my family, because it was familial Mm. um, abuse, one, there's shame in, in talking about it. Right it's because it is intra-family um and then two when after enduring and overcoming a decade of that and then being um raped in college Hmm. you really start thinking you know i must just have something on my forehead right i mean i just thought this this was this was my lot in life you know <laughs> um, because every every corner of my life that I was sent to, people that were supposed to care for me and protect me and love me violated me
0: right mm-hmm. right
3: and so, and then I did a lot of self sabotage of some good men who mm-hmm. wanted to love me right. because trauma was the third person in a, in that relationship yes, yes, and so and then I met my husband. who who i think might be the first person outside of my mother may she rest in peace and power who saw me fully
2: right Mm -hmm. right right
3: Mm -hmm. and he was a safe place for me to fall Mm -hmm. he allowed me to be delicate and Mm -hmm. fragile i did not he he calls me his warrior in hills Mm. but that's not what he leads with right and and he he got mad for me right and, um, and I needed that, right. and it made me feel like what happened to me was unacceptable and that it mattered. Mm. And so that which my husband um, afforded me, that gift, yeah. is the same gift that I seek mm. to give to everyone. Right. And to do that using the power of my platform, the power of convening, the power of the pen and the legislator to say you deserve to show up in the world fully, authentically, unapologetically as you are, without fear, without discrimination, without violence. Right. And we are all survivors of something. That's right. And, and you deserve to be seen and centered. Yes. And I'm done. So, I
0: don't know if that answers any no,
1: question. No, no, you look, that <laughs> looked, uh, that's, no. It doesn't matter what the question that was. was a, yeah, that, that answer was right. fantastic. No,
0: no, no, thank you. And thank, thank you Thank you so that. much, I know we're, we're about to wrap up here, but um, like everything you said is everything that happened here. Everything that happened here, and that was the one thing that um, that I make a comment that Roxanne had a lot of rage, right? I never stifled that rage at all. And yes, I was yes I was angry for her, but I allow her to be in the space that she needs to be and let her work let her work through that to get to the loving, right? Because that's important, right? That's important because we become a hardened shell sometimes as survivors when we've been hurt. And I told her. Two things I told her. One, I will never, I will never not allow you to be your one hundred percent authentic self, right? Even by her T-shirt today. Two, I will never, as a man, get in the way of what you want to do in your life. There will never, ever be a, you will never be a man. A man will never step in the way of everything that you want to be. And I have two things that I told her, but we got to wrap up. Thank you so much, um, yes. Congresswoman Presby, yes. for being here.
2: Thank you, everyone. Thank um, you so much.
0: For just, you know, just for being your authentic self and kicking it with us. Um, we really appreciate your time. We know you yes. have to go. So um, thank you for that heart. We have the we have yes. the heart back. Yes. Um, we're going to let you go. We're going to continue oh, on, my. but we want to say goodbye. Everybody in the audience, you can thank say goodbye. You. Say goodbye. Yes. I'm so jealous.
3: I'm so jealous y'all get to keep going and being together. Yes. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. much. Thank you you
0: so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But I mean, my goodness. Right. Man.
1: I'm ready to just walk off the stage. We don't have to do anything else. Yeah,
0: but we can't. We got more to do. Man. We got more to do, but I think that. um,
1: She is fantastic. She is. Just Um, a fantastic human being. Yes. Like, forget the being a legislator. Like, that's great. No. But my God, she's such a wonderful human being. Right,
0: and so, I mean, but here's what just, here's, just, here's what just happened. She did what she always does. She showed up as her authentic self. Always. Always, right? And we can't take that for granted because that's not something that happens, right? That's why when people talk about, you and know, I talk about the Congresswoman, who I'm talking, about like, there's only one to me. Right, yeah. Recognize. Right?
1: Yes, and we just
0: we just saw that. But the one thing that she said that I think that you know that resonated with me. Of course, everything she said, but the fact that um, it just reminded me of that I've always been angry for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Always,
0: mm-hmm. always. But the mm-hmm. thing about it is, is you've always been angry for me.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I've been willing to use my rage for you and right. fight people. Right. Even though you told me you can't do that, but. No. <laughs> No, that's
0: that. I mean, if y'all listen to the podcast, you understand that sometimes um, the South Bronx comes out, um, you know, and, uh, you know, one time there was someone who got mad. She was getting mad at or whatever. Someone being crazy and she was doing this motion to somebody. Someone said, you better get your girl. And I said, why? She
1: ain't mad at me. Facts all facts
0: so you know but as soon as it was a movement i had to i had to i had to step in uh really quickly but um roxanne some people ask some questions that's wonderful i'm ready there's some some questions let's see um uh let's see what we have um and someone asked really quickly i'm gonna skip over the first one we'll go back to it how do you remain hopeful um genuinely hopeful Um, in general, I believe with, you know, like being a survivor and and things like that. Um, Do you want to take that or you want me to take it?
1: I'll say one thing about it and then maybe you'll follow up. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Um, I have learned to believe that this man unconditionally loves me. And he does that in so many different ways. But it's not just about the doing is about the consistency. Consistency is everything for me. Because I'm constantly in my head, like when you heard me say to the congresswoman about, I'm always like, you don't remember me, stop playing. (laughs) That's the negativity, the negative voice in my head that tells me about or reminds me about how unworthy I have felt because of the violations. Mm. But this dude, when he keeps showing up in the same way and keep doing what he does, then I know. But I want to be really clear about something. God brought him to me when I was ready. And I was not ready until I started healing myself and seeking that healing. Right. There is a, a real connection between that. When you start taking care of yourself and you start doing you, you will see what's in place for you. He was put in place for me, and I was able to see it. That's how I say hopeful. That was good, Roxanne, that was good.
0: Um, I think, um, I think for me, um, I see hopeful in, in other people's eyes in a lot of ways. we doing things with children and stuff like that. I see hope in their eyes, right? That's what I get, That's what I get back in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it's about belief for me. You know what I mean? Knowing that um, other folks in my family have been through this and they were able to do great things, right? I'm hopeful because of my mother, Connie. Everything that she had been through, but she used her hands for magic when she did people's hands, yes. Did people's hair, mm-hmm. and she used her love of life and extended that and blessed people as, as she did their perm and their color, which has people up until this day to say, "Mom, your hair, my hair has never been the same since your mom stopped doing it,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it was thirty years ago." Yeah, and so. I have that hope, but I also, I think it also has something to do with me being Bayesian as well, because, um, you know, my grandmother, some of my grandmas used to say, you know, we just keep pushing through."
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh.
0: And, like, I don't know. Our people have been through so much, and we've created so much, it's hard not to... Not just be selfish and think about myself, but think about the ancestors that came before that fought for me to be here. So yes, be in my feelings for a second, but I got work to do. Yeah, yeah. And so that that helps me in terms of um, in terms of hope. Beautiful. Thanks, Rox. Um, but let's get into um, let's get into another question here. Um, And uh, why is it important for conversations around trauma and mental health important for science institutions to amplify?
1: That's a good question. That's a good question, right?
0: I can start real quick, because I know you're going to jump in and be brilliant. Yes, please do. Um, But I think it goes back to to what you said about um, understanding and expanding people's minds about what science is, right? Behavioral yeah. science,
1: yeah.
0: right? And so, for me, that's what I thought about it. Like, the fact that James Monroe is, is doing this type of program, shout out to James Monroe. Give him a round of applause, Shout please. out. Um, that's trying to expand, expand museums' minds, and also folks, other folks that have science museums, their mind about how can we diversify um, the people that come here, but how can we also diversify the voices? In mm-hmm. science right yes they also had another podcast here that was that was of color scientists right yes we't we, we don't see that so it's important that institutions like this start to think differently about how to use art right and how to tie art and science together to, to make it so it's not as stuffy as it used to be, it's not as privileged as it used to be, and that we are welcomed into a space like this to have these conversations. It's incredibly, it's incredibly important, and, you know, um, we're gonna be doing a, a, a panel coming up um, with at a museum, I uh, believe, conference, and we're gonna have this conversation um, across all the museums in the U.S. Thanks to James. That's
1: what's up. That's what's up. And it's not just stuffy. I mean, I'm going to speak for my, you know, I'm considered a social scientist, right? What I do. Yes. And we have all these ideas about therapists. Right. Especially black and brown communities. Right. But if you take it from being a social scientist, it makes a little bit more sense about why the Museum of Science and being here is so important and critical, and realistically, um, medical models and science has been um, saturated in white supremacy, mm-hmm. and that has not included us. But it what it has done is um, identified us as deficit, a deficit. You know, as deficits. Yeah. And that has been the historical context. And so, doing something like this, it sort of provides information, different conversation, different right. communities. Right. It's almost like welcome to something different that includes you. Mm that we want you here, right? Right. It's like that welcoming that a lot of our museums in Boston, let's keep it real, have not sort of felt motivated to do that, Right. and so I think that this brings to light that we can heal, that we've, you know, um, re-sort of uh, defining trauma, right. that You know, a lot of people sometimes are like, you're a therapist? I'm like, yeah, and I swear. (laughs) In therapy, because I'm okay with that. Because I feel like it's important for me to be authentic. And if you tell me something that I think is crazy, that you've normalized, then I want to start swearing because I'm mad. I'm really mad. And I want to change that for you. And I want to change that perspective, right? That's what we're bringing. We're changing perspectives here in this place that we wouldn't have been welcome to. Right. That's real.
0: Right. Right. I I mean, I definitely coming here as a child. I never knew they had a theater.
1: Well, I didn't grow up here, so yeah, I'm not even gonna up in, speak on right. that. You grew up in New I'm York, a New but I, had
0: no, I had no idea. And some people said even the last live, they're like, "Wow, I didn't even know it was like a magic door." They had no idea that.
1: Oh, the door. Yeah, the door. You never. They didn't right. know what it was. As a too. child,
0: you never like you're in the blue wing and you're playing around or whatever. You never like. I wonder what's. I wonder what's you know behind, behind that this, door. Right behind that door. <laughs> right. So it might have just been my mother telling me not to touch anything.
1: That's right. Don't touch nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, because you, of course you get right. I always say it all the time. You know, I'm West Indian. I was trained, I wasn't raised.
1: <laughs> Puerto right? Ricans too. Right. Of we course. don't clean, we sanitize. Right. I mean
0: I'm just saying, right? Before you get it, before you walk in it, is it all gay okay, keep here is what it is. So I don't want you to touch nothing. I don't want you to talk nobody. I don't want you to smile. I don't want you to do anything but who am I had. You do anything besides that? You and I got problems here.
1: We like problems.
0: Right. So, I mean, that, that might have been part of it, but that's a, that's a great question. But it's it always is. interesting when we get to the question and answer part, right? Because I feel like folks that have listened to our podcast, they don't ask us questions. No, right? they hide. They hide. It's very interesting that people hide. I'm sorry. They hide. But if I listen to Jack and the Muppets, I'm going to have a question. <laughs> I would have I would have questions. I don't for have us. any questions, right? I know you don't have any questions. But even with how we met and things like that, like I expect people just to ask questions, right? The other thing that doesn't happen, which is unbelievable, is that people don't follow us on IG. <laughs> I,
1: I don't know what that's about. I have no idea.
0: And some people don't think we're legit because we, you know we have like forty followers. I mean, No, we don't have that, we don't have that. Up just saying I, I mean,
1: you know I'm not a social media kind of person. I don't Correct. really put a lot of value into that. You know Correct. what I put value into? The last time we did this podcast, the people that came and talked to me and talk, and spoke their truth. The people who said, right. my God, thank you for, you can clap, my God, thank you for helping me and talking to me and, and then I run into them or they run into you and they say, I remember your wife, she talked to me. Oh my gosh, she was so right. That's what I care about. Yeah. Social media, like I'm happy about it in the sense because we reach a lot of uh, right. communities, a lot of people. Right. But beyond that, those moments that we have with people are the, right. the men that come up to you and disclose.
0: Yeah.
1: And they never have before. Right. That's what matters. Oh no question.
0: No question.
1: I'm good. You want you want to be 40? I'm okay with that. Cause every single person matters to me.
0: Right. 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 You know I wasn't serious about that,
1: right? Oh no, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, because
0: right, um, I just went on like a soapbox. Right. No, a, a I mean, I thought you were Stephen A. Smith for a second, but no, let me just stop at that. But uh, uh, here's another question. Do you have any suggestions on how to bring up mental health conversations at your school as a student, middle and high school? Which is a really good question. How do that you That is a the really good question.
1: I mean, I think here's the thing. First of all, um, stay away from jargon. Right, language is really important. Mm -hmm. Young people, everybody understands what it's like to have certain experiences. And when we welcome people, I mean, one of the things that you've done really well is storytelling, right? This is part of the work that you do with the monologue, right? Right. You get people sort of speaking their narratives, their story, we call that narrative therapy in my world in black and brown communities, we call that stories, right? right? And passing the oral history. And when you sort of um, bring those um, indigenous ways of communicating and being with one another, because that's what we're doing in the podcast, right? We're talking, we're talking to people, we're talking to each other, we're sharing. It's all about telling stories. And if you just normalize it as something very simple and don't worry about the jargon, People are gonna speak whatever they needs to be spoken. Right. People just wanna feel invited. Right. We just need to invite people. Right. It's simplistic. Yeah. Sometimes we don't invite people because we want to get caught up in all these bullshit about why we talk to people, we don't talk to people, we wanna isolate, oh I don't like you, or this or that but, but, but. I have been known, especially in some of my jobs. I work with a lot of West Indians. And um, they, have, they, they very much want to look at you a certain way. And so I'm like this.
0: Are you talking about the West Indian woman face?
1: Yes. And if you're still staring at me after I meet your eyeballs, I'm like this. Oh, you are looking at me. Yeah. Or the West How
0: Indian scowl. The West Indian scowl, that is. They look right. at you like this.
1: And sometimes that stop. And hi, yeah. sweetie. How you right. doing? Right. And when you speak to them and you love on them, they love you back. Oh, no question. Yes. But you have to break through some of these moments. Yes. Yes. And invite. Yes. Definitely. And that doesn't happen.
0: Right. So uh, so thank you. Jumping on that. I think, I think it's being comfortable, number one, with just having the conversation where you're talking to a teacher or whatever. And just expressing how you feel um, I think it's important bringing up the conversation there's so many people there's so many other students that are having the same type of thoughts and feelings yeah. That as a student that we don't think like that that as a student we don't think everybody everybody else in the room is having anxiety Everybody yeah. else is having, yeah. having uh, an issue with mental health in school, and I think it's important to understand that and start normalizing the conversation with your friends with how you feel, right? Yeah. Because I think yeah. that's important to do, but I think it's yeah. also important to try to figure out also the tools, right? How to breathe, how to meditate quietly, right? Whether you need to tap, you know, no. sometimes, or play, some, play with something in your hand. And um, be honest with yourself first, and yeah. that will really help with the help with the conversation.
1: We do a um, lot of that. I mean. I- in my work we do a lot of that around group therapy and a lot of the students they're like, "Oh no, no, no. I don't want to sit in a group." A lot of pe- I hear a lot of people say that. But the value of group therapy is that you find out you are not alone in the first right. session. Right. And that in itself can be healing and therapeutic and we right. don't think about it that way because we don't want to expose ourselves, but if we don't expose ourselves or we don't show up, then what we're doing is we're isolating. And isolation is extremely harmful yeah. when you're already struggling. Right. And we know how to do isolation really well. Right. And that is hurting us.
0: Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Let's jump into these we're gonna do these rapid fire. Okay, because we have about we have about five minutes left.
1: You're telling and, um, yourself that, right?
0: No. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, Um, so uh, the next uh, the next question uh, comes from uh, another person, and they here's this is a good question too. How do you conceptualize um, codependency or trauma bonding and support each other or clients through that? That's a that's a deep one. How do you conceptualize? Yeah. You want to talk
1: about the trauma bonding because we trauma bonded, right? Our trauma kids.
0: Yes. Yes, so I'll say this really quick, we'll do this quickly. Um, That's the one thing that we always talk about, like when we first met and things like that, our trauma kids bonded, right? And so that was real for us for a first little part of, a little part of our, a part of our relationship. But then we started to realize that that was not going to be enough right we, have we, couldn't s- we, we, we couldn't survive on that we couldn't survive we couldn't survive we couldn't survive on that and that if we we needed to be the adults as well have that bond we knew we had that but how could we grow together our trauma kids grew together because we started to do our individual work and that made the that made a huge difference in her you started first but that made a huge difference in terms of us not just having our trauma kids run the relationship, but to have uh, the growing adults control the relationship.
1: Right, and sit the children down.
0: Exactly, and sit the children down. No, I mean, like, like,
1: legitimately, we had to be like, oh, wait, sorry, that's little Roxy, that's not me.
0: No, right.
1: Sorry, my bad. No, because that's important that we take care of our trauma kids inside
0: of us, and sometimes we have to talk to them for them to to sit down, right? Because oftentimes what happens is when things get hard, especially for me as a survivor and whatever else, when my trauma kid is running things, I got problems. But regardless... Me as a man is accountable. Yes. And so that's why I need to tell him to sit down. Yes. And that yes. is not. That is not. Yep. That is not always. That is not as always easy. Um, so.
1: Because we don't know how to, and we haven't learned, right? So you know, like you, you know, I like this. Uh, we learn certain things from our people, our families, and correct. relationships we've seen, and I use I learned on purpose because I want to keep the hope alive that we can un. Oops. That we can unlearn it, right? Right? Unlearning yeah. that concept makes it uh, accessible for us. Right. We can do this. Right? And I just want to say some. I just going to say one line about the codependency. Uh, that is a term that, in my mind, is about how we overcompensate unnecessarily because we're trying to avoid something. And usually the avoidance is some, so, some version of not wanting to be rejected. Right. But what we're really doing is rejecting self. Am I making sense about that? Yeah. Okay, that, that, that's where that codependency comes from. And a lot of times codependency is related to people that have addictions that are our partners. So I just, I, yeah, we, we fast pacing in this
0: no question (laughs) thank you Roxanne like (laughs) (laughs) brilliance (laughs) in five seconds like you're incredible um right. so here's another here's another question really really quickly um This is not a question, but Roxanne, as a fellow social worker, I just vibe with you so much. You had me at Mother's Day being extra, not in a good way. Um, And this is more of a comment, and I also follow you guys on IG.
1: Yay!
0: (laughs) So so I wanted to make sure to to get that one in. Um, (laughs) um, But, okay, here's another one. Um, How do you learn ways to embrace and work through feelings and emotion after trauma in relationships?
1: How do you, who what?
0: Okay. How do you learn ways to embrace and work through feelings and emotions after trauma in relationships? And you have 30 seconds Go.
1: Listen, I just got trained EMDR. Go look it up. Look it up. It is the way for black and brown people specifically because we experience racialized trauma every day, every minute, every second, okay? And so while we're we're doing racialized trauma and experiencing all of this, then we're going to have all these other traumas happen at the same time. Nobody can handle that.
0: Right. Boom. Ting. I got you. All right. here's the next one. Thank you, Roxanne. (laughs) So, um, here's another one. Um, I know forgiveness is more about you than others, but how do you take the next step to forgive forgive others who have hurt you
1: so I'm gonna make the assumption that they continue to hurt you I'm making that assumption in that question Mm -hmm. which would mean to me that we need a pause and what and, and reevaluating what is that? What is this connection really about, right here? Mm. Why do I need this connection? What are the benefits? What are the disadvantages? And the most important column: What do I want? Right. If you you have to be able to figure out what brings you, like the congresswoman talked about, joy. Right. What brings you joy? This right. man brings me joy. You know why? Because he's always making fun, making jokes, even when I don't want him to. (laughs) Always. And I said to him very early on in our relationship, that day when you don't make me laugh, it will be time for me to exit this relationship
0: i've been working on material like y'all don't even understand like like i gotta keep it fresh i can't use the same joke twice like do you know how many how many many jokes i've had to create because i'm nervous i'm like man if she don't laugh i'm like she gonna leave me
1: i just want to say he made this t-shirt not me i just wore it
0: um, but you all the next the next podcast you will understand what that t-shirt means but you know what we are at time You know what I'm saying this has been really really fun um, Thank you so much uh, to the people here at uh, the Museum of Science. Thank you to James Moreau. Thank you to the technical team um, thank you to Rion. Thank you to uh, uh, DJ Mo, who's in the house. And thank you all of you for coming. Um, this is exciting. And, um, and thank you. we, um, right. we. Right? Right? Uh, thank
1: you, Keith Maskell. Oh, man. The, um, the magic. It all
0: comes the, from you. I
1: just show up.
0: Man, um, that's true though. You do you show I know. Up
1: i said
0: it. Um, no I know. but if to find more about the trigger project please go to www.triggerone.com and, and, and find out about the other work that we do um we are so excited and just so blessed to be able to share our story on this platform to help others that's what we about that's where we come from and um it is it's it's an honor to, to be here tonight with Congresswoman, but it's also an honor to be here with you, baby, because um, without you, we, 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 you know, we don't have anything, so I just want to give it up to you just with your brilliance. Y'all don't um, have to clap for her. Um, but, um, Let them clap. <laughs> um, but uh, please listen to us. Please listen to the podcast. Um, we have one more episode before we end season one, and then we'll be back. Um, for season two, but I want to leave you with this and then um, my friend James Monroe is gonna come up and let you all know what's gonna happen next. But um, remember this, you're no longer surviving, you're thriving, and you've earned that.
2: Thank you. Let's keep it going for Keith Maskell, Roxanne Maskell, The Trigger Project. Thank you both for being here and sharing. You're two of my favorite people, and we just think everything you're doing is so important. So thank you for letting us host this conversation. Thank you to Congresswoman Presley and her entire team for making the time to be here tonight. Um, Thank you to all of you for joining us and spending your Thursday night with us here at the museum. Um, We're gonna say goodnight to our virtual friends, so thank you for tuning in. Um, This link is gonna stay active, so make sure you share this conversation, this important conversation with everyone you know you can continue to watch us online. Um, and for all of you who are joined us in person, we invite you to a reception one level down. The DJ is gonna kick it back off. There's gonna be snacks. Make sure you stick around and talk to these two incredible people. Have a great night.